0: Welcome to the Explorinate Podcast.
1: Welcome friends to the Explorative Podcast. I am your host, Rob. And starting from today's episode, moving forward, I want to take a moment every episode to thank our top tier patrons who have earned a shout out on this podcast for their support at $10 per podcast, which is amazing. You guys are so great. So without further ado, I want to thank Gordon Lipford, Ian Fisher, Nia Vallis Chuknar, and Sunsor for your unwavering support. I can't tell you how much it means to us and what it does for our motivation to keep this going. So thank you so much. And before we move on, I wanted to make one last plea to those that are listening to maybe consider supporting us through our Patreon. We spent a great deal of time on not only just the show, but the website and the editing of everything we do. And we do it all without ads, either on the site or on the podcast. So your support is really how we get by and, and how we can justify all this time spent to our significant others and families. So just please consider it for the price of a coffee every month. You could do a lot to help us never have to worry about money at ExplorMate again. So, so that's the end of my pitch. And with that, let me introduce my round of co-hosts here. Hello, Ben.
2: Hello, Rob. How are you doing?
1: I'm all right. And Mr. Drexy. Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you doing tonight? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thank you nope i can't do it (laughs) (laughs) oh man sean please help me hi
3: hey how we going guys
1: we're going well so we're going to start this episode with some news and we're going to talk about which games we think are most in need of a sequel and the back half so let's roll into the news The first thing I want to talk about is that Star Dynasties will be out by the time you hear this. And I'll have a let's play up there. I started off with the guided tour of Star Dynasties, which is something that's been lacking in the previous betas, and now has this like cool like you know, it's it's basically just like a guided game where it unlocks things ever so slowly, you know, and each turn you learn something new and then at the end they kind of just leave you to your will and whim and You get to do what you want to do with the things you've learned. That was something that was really missing from earlier betas was some direction. And now with this, you know, Star Dynasties has got some direction and I really appreciate it. And there's also a lot of user interface updates and improvements. So Star Dynasties is looking really great. You'll have it in your hands if you want it by now, by the time you hear this, and we will have video of it. And then next up, we have Stellaris, which, you know, Paradox had this weird like online event out of the blue, really. They didn't really talk much about it, and then all of a sudden, they're like, hey, by the way, we're going to do this online event where we announce some stuff, and it was a Saturday that they did it on, and they announced Stellaris Nemesis will be coming April 15th of this year, which I knew was, was probably pretty close, and April 15th sounds about right. So about a month from now, or a little less than a month from now when you hear this, we will have Stellaris Nemesis, and of course, we'll have a full review by somebody who actually plays and likes Stellaris, And then last but not least, from my end, we have Iron Harvest, which finally the guys behind Iron Harvest, King Art Games, they've released a roadmap. So they they've continued to improve this game. I mean, recently they just put out a pretty big update where they did a lot of improvements. They made a lot of improvements on character like reactions. Like so before, you'd have armies like little groups of your troops and stuff. That would just take forever. Like if you clicked in, on them and then sent them somewhere, there was like a noticeable delay. And now there's no longer that delay. And they've done a lot you know, a lot of other things since release to improve the game in a lot of ways. So it looks like they're doing a lot of things that make this game more, I don't know, more better. <laughs> That's all I've got. <laughs> more better. So Sean, tell me, what is going on with Phoenix Point?
3: All right, so there's a patch that's just come out for Phoenix Point, so that's the Oryx update. Seems to mostly just be balancing, and there's a huge bug fix it, so I mean, that's always welcome. And what, probably a really important one that's come out is they're changing mechanic on the tactical air with the free aiming to prevent misfires when targets flinch while you're firing at them. I remember that being a pretty common complaint, Like you'd line it up and you think you had the perfect shot, and then when you fire, they'd still move, and then you'd end up missing more stuff than you would have normally missed. So that's a pretty important one that they've changed. And they've changed that enemies and haven defenders are now alert from the start of the mission instead of just having to spot something to get alerted. Uh, yeah, apart from that, it looks like mostly balance and bug fixes. So it's still good.
1: Yeah, and no word on the next DLC. I figured we'd have the, D- the next DLC by now. Has anything been released or hinted
3: at? Uh, last I heard, I thought it was Q1, which we're pretty much at the end of by now. So I don't know, maybe soon. I really don't know.
1: Yeah, and that's the one I'm looking forward to most. So, I feel like that's when I really want to dive back in. I, I I spent a lot of time with it right around the second DLC, I believe, or the first DLC, and you know, I I made made my way mo- through most of the game. But now I'm interested in waiting for the final DLC to drop, Festering Skies, I believe it's called. And that's the one I'm going to wait till I go back and really kind of give it its fair share again and maybe we can do a review, like a reexamination of it.
3: Yeah, sure. I dived a little bit around the last update, but I've sort of been hanging out for this as well before I really get stuck into it, because otherwise I'm just restarting it over and over again. And I think there's actually two more DLCs coming after First Skies. guys. We just don't know what they are yet. So yeah, I'll be keen to jump in after that as well.
1: I'm also interested to in know how well it's sold on Steam, because I know a lot of people are waiting, but also there's a lot of people that are angry. So yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of reviews, so I imagine it sold pretty decently on Steam. And it's actually doing way better in its rating than I expected is to, as well too, so good stuff. All right, so let's move into our topic. And our topic for tonight, like I said before, is we're going to talk about the games that we really feel need a sequel more than than any other ones, or that we, you know, personally feel just really deserve one. And I wanted to go through our top 10 list, which we, of course, did our podcast for, and then an article for, and a video for, which were all, they're rather successful. The show on the podcast did some pretty good numbers. The video, you know, brought a lot of people and... It definitely encouraged a lot of comments, I should say. And the article was pretty well received as well. And it's, it started a lot of conversation, which I think was all we were trying to do, right? We weren't trying to tell anybody that their lists were wrong or that our list was right or more right than anyone else's. We were just trying to create some debate, create some conversation. And with that, I wanted to go through some of our lists and see which games I thought were most in need of a good sequel. And I think I'm going to start off with saying that Sword of the Stars needs a real sequel. And I think-
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say that. That was my one.
1: Yeah. And well, because I looked at the other ones, right? The Fallen Enchantress, of course, I would love to see a sequel for, and we can talk about that later too. But I think the one that I of the entire list that I want to see a sequel for most is Sword of the Stars, because I remember the disappointment I had in Sword of the Stars 2, and it still has left a bitter taste in my mouth. And I feel like the game, I mean, all they really had to do to make a sort of the Stars 2 is take sort of the Stars 1 and just make it prettier and redo it and just put it back out there. And I think a lot more people would understand why sort of the Stars 1 was so loved and, and treasured and made it to our list. But instead, they, they did all these weird things with it. They changed gameplay mechanics, and then they 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 rushed it out in a buggy mess. And I know a lot of that had to do with Paradox at the time. So I'm not I'm not blaming Kerberos completely, but that's a game that I think really a lot of more people need to understand what was so great about.
2: It. I think there's an argument when you're re- making a sequel to not make a game that's too close to the original, and that's always a gamble, isn't it? Because you're you're kind of you're you're looking to make something that not only sort of iterates on the original game but also innovates in some sense. I mean, ideally, Swords of the Stars Two wanted to be kind of close enough that it was fun for the people who played the first, but didn't invalidate the first game by being released and being just better overall. Like, you know, like Master of Orion 1 and Master of Orion 2 are kind of different, right? And that's great in a way, because, you know, we have this endless debate over which one's better, and that just means that both games are so good that, you know, people consider each one, you know, to be the best one. And it's a shame that that didn't really work with Swords of the Stars 2, because I have I'll be honest, I haven't played it, so I don't really know why it is that it's bad. But having played Sword of the Stars 1 for the you know for the video that we did, it really was my first time kind of looking at it. I'm I'm quite impressed with some of the stuff in there. It's it's a really it's a really fun game. It's quite streamlined and very much like Master of Orion One is, it's just really, it's really great. So it seems a shame that they kind of messed it up. Perhaps you could tell us exactly
0: why it isn't so good. Well, first of all, I'd like to draw your attention to <laughs> move free which tried to be different again and totally failed. so (laughs) there's a you know you can make it different and make it far worse but um yeah i just want to just go back to what rob was saying i'm still so uh such a that's probably the biggest disappointment in gaming sort of stars too. i mean if you just load it up and look at the um the uh, menu screen it looks freaking awesome (laughs) there's like battles going on in the background. The graphics look better, but yeah, the game itself is just not. There are some people trying to mod it, but it's going really slow. So, but I think it's just past the point of saving that game. Uh, They've sort of had this thread going on for years about remastering the first one. But, I don't know, they seem to be focusing on other shitty games that no one's interested in. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, (laughs) whether we see that or not, time will tell. Maybe another five years.
1: Well, and to answer your question, Ben, I mean, the reason why it was so poorly received and... and was such a bad game was because I mean more than anything it was so buggy you couldn't get through the game I mean you couldn't I mean I remember playing the first few turns and it would it would just crash the desktop and I was like eh, maybe something's like wrong maybe there's no I wasn't the only one it was like everybody that was having like huge problems getting anything done and there was a lot of weird UI choices where like everything that used to be easy was now like three or four clicks and it, there was just so many different like minor changes that it all came together to feel incredibly unfamiliar but look similar like the like the actual of course you got the same some of the same races and you know the, some of the same gameplay ideas but they changed so much with regards to like a lot of the nuance that it just felt much more difficult
0: Yeah, I mean, like, one of the things that I remember standing out to me was the ship design, which they've made 3D for some bizarre reason. And on top of that, they added, like, a target you could shoot, which there was no point to it. It didn't really show you anything. It was just, I don't know, they just, it's like they just threw in a load of ideas and it just ended up being such a mess. It's just horrible. I mean,
2: do you think if the bugs, if if it wasn't for the fact that it was so buggy, do you think people would... Would warm to it, you know, or do you think that the game itself is just not as good, even in, you know, even if it was working
0: correctly? No, because as Rob said, they've just overcomplicated. The beauty of Soul of Stars One is that it's not com- it's not overcomplicated, and like Rob said, you know, to do what you could do in a couple clicks in the original was now buried in sub menu after sub menu. Uh, oh, it was just it's it's just too much. I think the problem was they were in such a disagreement with Paradox that they did the bare minimum to fix it, so they didn't actually try to improve the game. They were just doing bug fixes just to get out of the contract almost. So the year or they were paid to fix the game, they didn't really change it. They just fixed bugs, basically, instead of improving the game.
2: Yeah, I think many many video gamers have been destroyed by a by a bad relationship with a publisher. I mean, even the the games development company that I was working for for a little while they they uh, we were doing stuff for EA and we had some problems with EA and they they really ruined one of the games that we were working on, you know, because they were just pushing and pushing for things just to be changed and I think when you've got this conflict of interest between games designers and publishers, there can be there can be friction. <laughs> it's a real shame because it sounds like, because like I said, I thought Swords of the Stars 1 looked really good and I'm definitely going to go back to it. I need to learn it actually. I really st- One thing I'll say about that game is I really struggled to be able to pick up how to play it easily. It's not easy to play and I think the, uh, any game like that that's kind of been designed to be played it, like you say Drexie I remember reading that the developers had made it so that it would be easy to play for multiplayer and that's why they kept the game mechanics simple but that seems to have worked like a lot of people like that game and you know what out of all the uh, games that we were talking about on the top 10 it was probably one of the least controversial games we put up there I, I don't remember seeing a single comment where somebody said uh oh, Sword of the Stars shouldn't be on there and we got that for every other game pretty much
0: <laughs> yeah I remember um I think it was Angry Joe is it? The guy wears the leather jacket. He interviewed the main guy, Paradox, whose name escapes me. And he actually asked him about Solar the Stars 2. And he did say that. That was probably one of his biggest regrets, how that turned out. But the thing is, if you go on Paradox forums and ask about getting it fixed, they say, oh, go talk to Gerberus. And if you go to Gerberus forums and say, oh, can we get this fixed or source code released? They say, oh, it's, it's, go speak to Paradox, it's out of our hands. So it's just <laughs> the bad okay. blood behind between the two has sort of ruined any chance of that being fixed, in my opinion, even by the community. At the moment, people are having to, like, decomply the EXE and the DLLs and whatnot to try and fix it. But, of course, you know people don't have time all the time in the world to do it so it's going really slow
1: yeah so that will start off our podcast of regrets and disappointments (laughs) so that was for me one of the biggest ones because i just i went into it with so much because like you said you you saw the main screen the main menu and you see these graphics and you're like oh my god like this is all i needed right i needed sort of the stars better looking and it looked really good it looks so good and you'd see early screenshots of it, and you're just like, oh my God, this is going to be the best Forex game ever. And yeah, it was a huge disappointment. So, another game that I wanted to talk about that I think, of course, we'll all agree needs a sequel, and strangely enough, has had some, I don't know, maybe some uh, scuttlebutt, you know, some rumor mill going around about maybe possibly a, a sequel underway somewhere. But Sid Meier's Alpha Centauri, or Alpha Centauri, as you British people say, was. You know, it was it was almost made into a sequel with Beyond Earth and then they kind of, you know, abandoned that because they realized that chasing that was gonna be an awful idea. And then now, I don't know if you guys have seen, and I'll try to reference this in some of the show notes here. The there was a, a an article on PC Gamer where it basically was like, Every day I wake up without a sequel to Alva Centauri is a day that I shouldn't be alive. <laughs> I mean, it was it was kind of dramatic, but it was also just proving a point where the fact that there was never a sequel to one of the best 4X games of all time is ridiculous. And then three people who have quite a bit of say in something like that started commenting on it. All of them being, or the three of them being Soren Johnson, Brian Reynolds, and Anton Stenger, I think his name is. But all of them are either at Fraxis, have been at Fraxis, or make 4X games. So, yeah, I think that's something, I mean, I don't know, the way that they were interacting with each other kind of made it seem like somebody knew something was up. Did you guys see any of that?
2: I did, yeah. and I didn't get the impression that something was up so much as they were, you know, they were kind of, oh, uh, yeah, well, should we, this could be something that we could do. But maybe I missed that. Maybe that's what they were. Yeah, you're a bit more astute than me, Rob. Maybe that's what they were kind of like hinting at. Maybe there's something coming along in the pipeline. But that sounds exciting if it is. But let's not get our hopes up, eh? <laughs>
3: Yeah, I saw some tweets floating around from them as well and I don't know, I couldn't really tell if they were being coy or if they're just like, hey, this might be a good idea, but I don't know. I mean, either way, I'd be pretty happy if they get into it. That game just really needs it, it. I say it really needs a remake,
2: but I feel the same kind of trepidation in saying that as I did when I heard that Peter Jackson was making a Lord of the Rings movie, you know. And it, if you're going to do something like that, you've got to do it right because like I again for the top ten, I played all these games pretty much, and I, I replayed Alpha, Alpha Centauri. I didn't finish a whole game because it's kind of a long game, but i did I got quite a long way through at least two games and you know what it's still good like, I, I take back what I said about the graphics as well I think the the graphics haven't aged as bad as I thought they had either I, d- I think that the the entire game is still very playable, so the only reason they need to do that is if they're going to improve it and that's gonna be that's going to be hard in fact i I'd, I'd actually I'd be less nervous about them just saying we're just going to remake the original game with better graphics and, you know, a modern user interface and not touch the rest of it. But, you know, that's just me.
0: I mean, have you all seen the uh, remaster of Diablo 2 that's coming? It looks freaking awesome and it's it's basically just built on top of the original game. So if they just do that with Alpha Centauri, I think it will be really popular because everyone's so excited for Diablo 2.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I'm trying not to get too excited because they screwed up Warcraft 3 so badly that, you know, I I don't really forgive them and I wish I could have got my money back. But the way they have portrayed the remaster of Diablo 2 looks to be exactly what you'd want, right? Like, they've taken like one-for-one frames and just made them look modern and then added quality of life things like, you know, auto loot pickup and stuff like that or auto gold pickup. and have streamlined the UI and and really those are all the things that you'd want, right? You'd want the game to be pretty much exact I mean, not every time, right? You don't want them all to be like that. Cause if we just did that, we would just have, you know, Alpha Centauri 4, which is just literally Alpha Centauri one with the same graphics or the new graphics of, you know, 2029 or whatever. But I do think that if they're going to remaster a game and that's the way they want to go with it. And I, I think Alpha Centauri would be a perfect example and a perfect candidate for that that you would want to make the game as close to the original as you could while just making it feel more modern. And that would be all you'd need to do.
2: Yeah, I, I think that you're quite right. I mean, I've not heard about this Diablo 2 thing, but that, that's exactly the way that I, would, that I would be happy with that. I see a lot of people saying this on, on Steam forums for things like sequels. They're like, look, we don't want you to try and remake something completely. Just, just re-release it with, with high-resolution graphics or you know, with, better, with better UI. That's basically just what people want.
3: Well, like what they did with the um, Command and Conquer remaster, they took all that feedback from the community, and they didn't like. There was some things that they didn't fix from the original game that was still considered like buggy or dodgy, but the community have been very, very happy with it. They don't have to reinvent the wheel, kind of thing.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think Alpha Centauri is one of those few games where I would hope that they would just sort of, at least the first time. Because, like, clearly, you know, if if someone wanted to say that Beyond Earth was some sort of like, you know, uh, spiritual successor to Alpha Centauri, it, it got a lot of hate for that. Like, it, it, I mean, I think rightfully because they were trying to market it as a spiritual successor, it got a lot of hate because it didn't take what was really like the essence of Alva Centauri and create that in a new world in a new universe. It kind of actually did away with everything that I thought was really great about. Alpha Centauri and threw it out the, out the door and then, you know, tried to do its own thing. So, if you're going to do an, a true Alpha Centauri 2, I think you either remake it and make it just look nicer, or you take what's really at the core of that game, which is the philosophical stuff, which is the, the faction, you know, lineage and backstory and this like weird relationship that each of them have with the planet and do that. Because if you do anything else, you know, you can't put Alpha Centauri. Before that, that number. So,
2: I think that if we're just talking about like a Diablo 2 style remake, you're not going to need Soren Johnson and, um, you know, Brian Reynolds and so on to do that. You know, if you're literally just reskinning a game and giving it a nicer UI, that could be contracted out to somebody else. Um, you know, you don't need to do anything else with that. So, if Soren and Brian and the other person were being coy about, you know, things on, t- on Twitter, if they are working on something new, then I would expect it to be a new game.
0: I mean, without those guys, would you trust Fraxis on her own to do a good sequel to that game?
1: I, you know, I, I'm not sure. I don't really know who's really leading that studio right now. It it seems like, I mean, rightfully so, they they kind of give like somebody new a chance to steer the helm and you know get get some new fresh ideas in there. But it just it gets to the point where you don't really know who the hell's actually leading things there. I mean, of course, Sid Meier is like at the top, but I don't think he's really designing games anymore. And the last time he designed a game, it was hated by everybody except for Drexy. So yeah. <laughs> best game ever. Yeah. So, like you know, I I just think that you're you're not going to get the game you'd want. I just don't truly believe that. But anyway, there is another game on our top ten list that I wanted to talk about. And and if there's any other games you guys want to talk about before we move on, please you know stop me. But Master of Magic, which is a game that I know Ben is in love with and has been playing on our YouTube channel. And I've watched it and realized just how damn deep that game is. I just didn't realize that there was so much to it. It really is civilization with this like huge fantasy overlay and wasn't expecting the the level of of intricacy there. We all know that Slytherin has the rights to that now. So there's a likelihood that we do see a sequel. I mean, right now they're doing a really good job of making the original easier to, to play, but you have to imagine that someone back there is actually making a full-on sequel.
2: So CeraVe is the developer of Caster of Magic, uh, the mod, and he's the. I think he's been working with a group of testers on his own, on, on Realms Beyond. And he's been working on what he called for a while Caster of Magic 2, which is a Windows version of Caster of Magic completely free of all the original source code. Because I don't know if you know, but Slytherin don't have access to the original Caster of Magic source code. They can't find it. Um, I, I don't know... What happened with it after Simtex, you know, uh, disbanded? But they can't find it anywhere. So that caster of magic mod was painstakingly done using um, decompilers and, you know, a hex editor. I understand. So it's been a labor of love. So he's been re- he's been remaking the game because he knows the game mechanics that well, and he's just reprogrammed it himself from scratch. Um, and it's and it runs on Windows. It runs in high def. You can have more. You can have more wizards now. And uh, Slytherin last week, I think it was, said, okay. We're calling it Caster of Magic for Windows, and that's going to be, we're announcing it now, it's in beta, so it's being beta tested. So that game is quite close to being finished. Cerevi's made that in a few months, by the way. He, like, I, I don't think it's, I think it's been like six months. I might be wrong there, so if anyone's listening, they can correct me, but I, I understand he's not been working on it, all, so he's banged that out really fast. I think that, just to, to bring this back to what Rob was saying, that it sounds very, very, much, very likely that a Master of Magic sequel is being made. I think, I think we knew this anyway because I think otherwise they would probably would have gone ahead and just called it Caster of Magic 2. The fact that they're calling it Caster of Magic for Windows, that's an interesting strategic choice from Slytherin there with regards to the title. And I do wonder if that's, that's something that's being done because you know, they have got a new game in the works.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, so if they're sticking with the whole Caster of Magic brand with that and then saying it's coming, you know, Caster of Magic for Windows, I imagine that's because their Master of Magic franchise now is going to have its own... Sequel and you know further games and man I I don't envy them for that I mean I know Slytherin's on a roll right now they're doing a lot of great things and I feel like in a lot of ways they've kind of come from this like uh, like very niche kind of you know very few people know about them publisher to I think you actually said it a few podcasts ago that Slytherin are punching above their weight you know and I I, I truly feel that way because they're just they're kind of there in a way that that most Aren't normally. And especially for somebody, you know, for a, for a publisher their size, they're publishing games that just are doing very well. So I hope that with some of the lessons they've learned from some of their own games and, you know, and maybe just watching some of what is what Saravi is doing with Caster Magic, you know, that maybe they're maybe even he's part of that. I think that would be, you know, a match made in heaven because I think he understands the essence of what Master Magic is better than just about anybody.
0: Yeah, they've been—they've just been going from strength to strength. I mean, remember back in uh, maybe like five years ago, I would have put Slivering, Stroke Matrix, and Iceberg in whatever they're called, Iceberg, in the same category. But Slivering have just sort of shot past them and definitely becoming like a major, major publisher now and major developer. And I think they just got the right people and the people with the right passion to run that company and bring it forward.
1: Yeah, I would, I would completely agree. I think you're right. I think five years, six years, six years ago, I would have put Iceberg in the same category. It's like this strategy game developer, strategy game publisher that you know that had some hits, but mostly wasn't really doing much, that really meant much. And now I feel like almost everything Slytherin's putting out is something that want I want to play. And Iceberg's still kind of putting out shit. So...
2: Yeah, we've got some big games coming up from Slytherin and Matrix. I, I don't know if anybody who's watched the pod, uh, the interview that we did with Eric Rutins, Eric actually described what the difference between the two sides of the same company are doing now. So Slytherin are kind of like the more mainstream games. So they're putting things like the Warhammer games out on that, you know, and that kind of thing. They're reserving the Matrix brand for the more sort of typically, you know, the typical stuff that Slytherine and Matrix used to do. So that would be things like, releasing War in the East 2 uh, by Gary Grigsby's game. So, you know, things like Shadow Empire, stuff that, that is a little bit more sort of grognard But there's some great games coming out um, on, on both labels.
0: Um, one game, which I've never actually played, but Rob goes on about so much that I want to play it, but it's just so old. And it just missed our list was Colonization. I know it did kind of have a sequel, but am I correct in saying that wasn't really... A sequel, really?
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of the underlying mechanics were streamlined or just done away with, and it, you know, there was actually a, a mod that, or well, there's a few mods, but one of which is a mod that I want to really get into. And it, for the life, of me, I can't remember the name of it, but there was two mods that did a lot to bring back what was the like the real underlying feel of colonization, like 1994 edition to the Civ 4 edition. And from what I understand, they did a really great job. And then there's one now that's kind of taken that mantle, taken everything that was made from this one mod that did a lot of, you know, under like mechanical changes and quality of life changes and now has kind of run with it and made this game that's like super deep. And the thing is about colonization that I'm not sure that they would have to figure out a a good way to, to handle is that there was an awful lot of micromanagement with your cities and colonization. But they they offset that with the fact that it was just kind of difficult to get them up and running, up and going. So you didn't want to have like 10 cities because it, A, you just weren't able to do that and you needed your citizens to specialize and you know do a bunch of different things to make your cities that you had better. And I think that they would need to figure out a way to keep that balance in check too because otherwise it, it does become very micromanagement heavy because there's a lot of, it's kind of like, you know, like an Anno game, right? Where you have to have certain people building certain things, certain supplies, certain resources so that you can use those resources to build other things and so on and so forth. And, and Colonization was like the turn-based 4X version of like an Anno game. And I, w- I would love to see it. I would absolutely love to see a modern version of that. I just think they would need to figure out, they would need to make sure that they maintain that balance between that micromanagement that's requ- required and, and, and it's quite a bit of fun in that game with making sure that you didn't have 42 cities that all had to do that?
2: I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to upset you all, but I'm going to give the chances of there ever being another colonization game exactly 0%. And that's because it's just not a, a politically correct topic anymore. And, you know, I I hate all that, honestly. I think that, I think that there's nothing particularly harmful about the, the game colonization. I think it treated, you know, I treated the topic as well as you can, but it's just... Everything at the moment in the West is really trying to paint that particular situation as a bad one. So I, I don't think any developer or publisher is going to pick that game up. I just, not until we're, we're over this particular political phase we're going through.
1: I don't disagree, actually. I don't think the Civilization 4 version of colonization sold very well. So I don't think that it's a game that they're eager to go back to. And of course, like I said, I think there's other things that Fraxis has up their sleeve that's probably just, you know, maybe more mainstream or maybe, yeah, definitely less uh, politically sensitive. So I'm with you. I don't think it's going to happen. Not for a long time. And, you know, there have been people that have tried it. There have been some indie developers that have tried to recreate that and they weren't really successful. So I just don't see it happening for a long time, which is, which is sad. I really think it's sad.
2: You know, I think that that you could get a game that's very similar with the same kind of game mechanics, and you know, just change the change the setting of it. I'm not. I'm against that, by the way, because I, I, I don't have. A, I don't think that this is a problem personally, but a lot of people do, and you know. So I think that if they change the setting, and if they say, you know, like you could make a, a kind of a space game in a similar way, and if providing you you approached it in a way that didn't offend a lot of people <laughs> i think you know you could do that you it's the game mechanics that we enjoy right it, i mean
1: i think you're 100 percent right actually no just not to cut you off but i think like if you made a colonization of mars game because some of the difficulties that the settlers face were the time frame that, that took you know from for a ship to travel from the new world to the old world to gather supplies and bring it back right and that was really well represented in this game because you would send your ships back. It would take four or five turns. They would go. They'd actually get back to the motherland. They'd get some of the supplies you need and it'd take another four or five turns to come back. Well, you could definitely do that with a game that was a 4X game about the colonization of Mars. Because, you know, you have like a five, six month journey that would require like, okay, we've gotten to a point where we have self-sustained our ability to to grow food but man we really could use some more of this or that and i i think that's fantastic actually and i I would love a game to see i'd love to see a game like that
0: yeah you could call it surviving mars oh wait sorry there's already no no but i
1: know know, and i'm I'm talking about like a turn based like true 4x game where you're developing cities and you're learning ways to be self-sustained and that was kind of what colonization was it was a very it was it was much about you know, getting to a point where you were self-sustainable in in the new world, and that way you could fight off, I mean, hell, you could even make it like the Expanse series, like, where, you know, you're basically, like, a 4X game where you're, like, pushing yourself further and further out from the, from Earth and colonizing Mars and then, you know, making space stations, and I, I'm getting a little too far ahead of myself, because this is not a game where, I mean, this is not a, a podcast where we're talking about games we want to see, we're talking about sequels, but I do think you could take the mechanics of colonization and apply them to a different setting, just like Ben said, and actually make a damn good game. Anyway, Sean, we haven't heard much from you. So let's go ahead and start with what I want to go into next is just what games in your personal library or your personal experience deserve a sequel that, you know, haven't haven't gotten one and why would you want to see it?
3: There's only really one in the 4X genre, and that would be Sins of the Solar Empire that I would like to see a sequel for because that was an incredible game and I haven't heard anything about it, what they're doing with it. I don't think Ironclad are even still a developer, are they? Actually,
0: um, there's a mod that's for Sins of the Solar Empire called Sins of the Prophets or something like that. And I can't remember, was was it Ironclad or... Who's who's the uh, publisher? Is Star- it Paradox? Stardock. Stardock. Someone, anyway, yeah, I think it was Stardog that tw- uh, tweeted them, can someone who does the artwork for the uh, mod contact them? So maybe they are in the process of making a sequel.
1: I can't imagine a world where Sins of a Solar Empire 2 does not get developed, because it's still a game that people talk about all the time. And while it, I mean, it ha- it's aged pretty decently. I mean for sure, I, I could still play it, but a lot of the user interface stuff and, you know, I think people were mentioning how there's, like, you know, the, the voice stuff, like the acknowledgement of commands and stuff, that's, you know, a little over the top and definitely feels like a different generation, but, yeah, I, I'm i with you, and there's also a mod, too. I feel like it's, like, Sins of a Solar Empire Supercharged or something like that, but it, it's got some funny little name, and they've actually taken, and maybe it's re, Redo or whatever, I don't know, but has taken the assets from sins of a solar empire and have like completely redone them and made them look super modern. So yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of things going on with sins right now. And they, they, they even tweeted this like picture recently where it was like, we don't have anything to talk about this week or do we? And I could have sworn it was going to be a sense 2 announcement. And it didn't happen. It was now. It was a tournament, which is fine, but that means Ironclad is still actively, you know, involved in their community. You know, they have a sins Sins of a Solar Empire tournament, which I feel like might maybe they're they're looking at how these you know different players play the game to kind of help them develop the, the sequel. I don't know. I don't know. There's there's a lot going on there, and I I'm with you, Sean. It deserves a sequel.
3: Yeah, there's a lot up in the air about it, and that was the biggest tease watching that. I was like, yes, it's coming, and then it doesn't. You're like, oh, crap. But, I mean, it's still great that there's a tournament and they're doing stuff with it, but oh, it would just be so good to see a sequel because, I mean, like you said, it the, the, the gameplay still holds up. There's just bits of it that feel a little dated, and the fact that it's got these mods like Sins of the Prophets with the Halo overhaul. I think there's a there's a Star Trek overhaul uh, overhaul mod. Like Some of these mods are just incredible, and it would be great if they could make something new update it to modern day standards and then still have that modability so people could support it like a decade down the line would just be awesome.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Totally agreed. So Ben, do you have any games that you are mostly interested in seeing a sequel to?
2: I think at this point, I'd really like to see a Stellaris sequel and it done right. And, you know, I've been thinking about this quite a lot. And I think part of the reason why, why I keep bouncing off Stellaris every time I play it now is because it's just, it, it's never quite good enough that it keeps me you know interested enough to play it, to learn it. So every time there's a new patch, I have to kind of relearn it. And so I'd, I'd like to see uh, a sequel to Stellaris where it's at a sort of level of of quality that Crusader Kings 3 was when it was released. That w- That is a game I would really like to see because just so you know, I mean, we don't just bash on Stellaris because we're, we're, we're assholes. It's because we really want that game to be good and it's not up to our standards right now, right? Either you know, I don't think they're going to fix Stellaris so that it's good for me. Uh, so I think I'm I'm going to hold out for Stellaris Two, and hopefully they've learned. Paradox have learned some lessons.
0: Oh, you can dream on, because I mean, they've just announced the DLC for EU Four. So if anything, we, it's going to be EU Five before you even see Stellaris Two. And I can't imagine Stellaris Two coming
3: maybe five to ten years. I think you're probably right. Yeah, I think I'm with both of you there. If it comes, it's going to be a long way off. They seem pretty intent on supporting it well into the future, um, as as much as I would like to see it as well, because it sort of seems like a lot of the stuff they're doing, is just adding extra bloat and it's band-aid solutions. And it would be great to see something new where they've just ripped it all apart and then started again. But yeah, I, th- I think I'm well with you guys. I think if it's coming, it's a long way off.
1: I would agree. And I kind of feel like we're not going to go down that road again, because we've done an entire podcast and I will make sure that we link that in the notes below because we did a podcast on what we thought Solaris 2 should be. And we're hoping that maybe one day it'll be that. What about you, Drexie? What about Is there a game that you've just sort of always wanted a sequel for?
0: Yeah, actually. And um, <clears throat> it kind of relates back to something I was talking about earlier. It's a game by Iceberg Interactive called Armada 2526. And I actually really enjoyed that game. It had a lot of interesting ideas and I would love to see a sequel to that.
1: Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because he went on to make Oriental Empires. And then he's said that he's always wanted to come back to that Armada world universe thing. So I think he's he's made it pretty clear he wants to go back to that. Now, I, he's been quiet. I mean, Oriental Empires wrapped up development, I think, last year or so with its final DLC. So I can imagine maybe he's making that now. Well, we can hope. <laughs> but, uh it wasn't
0: the most loved game, but it did have a lot of interesting stuff. I really enjoyed the battles and stuff in it. Yeah, it was just just a really solid game.
1: Well, what? So I've never played it. I mean, I don't really know what's so great about Armada twenty five twenty six. Can you can you tell me? I mean, other than the battles, what were the battles? What were great about the battles?
0: They were real time battles, and you did have some control over it. So, but it it kind of looked. Think of um like um the moo battles but in real time basically so they're kind of top down. You I think you can tilt the camera to see them in 3D, but they were kinda of like real time moo battles really. Which I do kind of enjoy. Like I enjoy Sword of Stars battles way more than turn based battles as well.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, and that's a game I think I'd really like to see is a new master of Ryan. You know, I thought conquered the stars or whatever really missed the mark i feel like it really you know it's funny because back in the day when it was being developed we were actually in close contact with chris keeling who was the producer for that and he was like also like the you know brand marketing guy or whatever it was but he actually had a lot of say in how ngd studios was like developing it and they had tried a turn-based combat version and they said that it was too slow it took too long and i don't know i feel like I, I truly feel like the game would have been better with turn based combat. I thought that the, the real time combat sucked. They never got it right. They did a lot of things to try to get it right, and even after it was you know pushed out, they were trying to like you know figure out ways that they could make it better and it just never got to the point where it felt like it was tactical. It was always a numbers game. It was always you know who had more of what and less of like where people were positioning anything and I just I find it hard to believe that they were looking at the right people when they started development and they were showing people turn-based prototypes of that game and and those people were like oh no this is this is not great so I I truly want Massive Ryan 4 5 whatever it would be and I want it to be a game that takes the best of both Massive Ryan 1 and 2 and and has the production values of Massive Ryan Conquer the Stars and you know pushes the turn-based star Forex or space Forex genre into like the superstar world that Civilization and Stellaris lives in.
2: I never played Master of Ryan Conquer the Stars, but I, I remember watching you playing it on the channel, Rob, or it might have been on Twitch, but the the production value on that game is great. It's it's really slick. and I remember the GNN sections are just all these, these sort of scripted sex, sections with all these characters to, all talking and interacting. I really loved that. I thought it was great. It's kind of a shame that the game didn't turn out to be as good as it could have been.
1: Yeah, and it kind of was... I mean, the development was halted way too early, and Wargaming kind of pulled out, and they moved... I knew it was all done when they moved Chris Keeling away from the project. So he he eventually, like, you know he we he, we were steam friends at the time and he he hits me up and says hey you know I'm, I'm being moved on to I think the mobile division or something like that. He was being given like the entire in uh, charge of the their entire mobile division, which was a a promotion for him, but I knew at that point, you know, there goes Master Ryan because he was the only one that was really I don't know, fighting the good fight, you know, trying to actually make Master Ryan the game it could have been or should have been. And it got really close. I mean, they they had a free patch after all was said and done that like added characters and you know changed the way spies worked and i mean they they did some pretty pretty overhauling changes with patches and content patches that came later and then their dlc was you know i mean like they added races that were still you know, like you said the production value of them were all top-notch very high quality but they just never could figure out exactly what made again it was like you know that some people just don't some of these developers don't realize the essence of a game and and Massive ryan conquer the stars never felt like it had the essence of massive ryan anyway i wanted to ask you too sean i remember you saying that you had xcom 3 on your list too right
3: yeah that was a one on there and i'd say honestly there's got to be one in the works so they had chimera squad that was kind of i think it was like a testing ground for some different mechanics like the breaching and the I never really got into it because it sort of felt like that hero shooter where, like, if a character dies, you lose, and it kind of went away from the core XCOM experience a little bit. I don't know if that's blasphemy or what, but uh, um, yeah, I mean, it was still decent and it had the interesting stuff like the breaching mechanics. But I'd, there's got to be a third one in the works, I think.
1: Yeah, again, another just money maker. I mean, you can print money with that one. And the lead guy there for that you know runs XCOM, I know he's made some not even subtle hints that you know the third one's coming just and of course XCOM 2 leaves on a note and I don't want to you know spoil it for anybody but the ending of XCOM 2 makes it very clear that they're going to revisit a certain biome you know Jake Solomon right that's his name and Jake has made it clear that you know that that's a game that's going to happen and it's all about timing and like I said, the final cinematic for XCOM 2 makes it clear exactly where it's going. So I'm excited about that. I think it's gonna be great. And I personally, I, it took me a long time to get into XCOM 2, but once I did, it sucked me in for 60 hours and it was a great 60 hours.
3: Yeah. I got sucked right into it as well. I think I put like, uh, 180 hours or something into it. And originally I got into it and I said, yeah, it feels a little bit off i don't know but it it looked great and then they released a long war mod and war War of the chosen it was just a really really good expansion it added a lot of meat to the mid game and it it turned out to be an extremely solid title i feel like it didn't really do anything new but it was just extremely high production value just a very well-made game i don't know i bounced off XCON 2 like i i I liked
2: it for the first sort of 10 20 hours i was playing it and I I like the the production values in it. I like the tactical combat in it. Um, I I think that it's it's a good game. I just it just didn't grab me. I don't know why. I hesitate to say this, but I think sometimes I prefer a more sandboxy kind of environment with these sort of grand strategy kind of games. And it was it just felt a little bit too scripted, and the strategic element to it just felt very lightweight to me. And I just it just wasn't. It's like you know. I didn't really feel like there was any difference between the missions I was picking particularly, and I don't know. I, I know that there's, people will completely disagree with me there, but I just prefer the originals. I just think the Julian Gollop's games are so much better. <laughs> I don't need the flashy graphics, man. I just want, I want strategic tactical gameplay, and I just thought that... I, I do like the tactical combat in, in XCOM 2. I think it's, it's, it's superbly done, and I love the, the way that you can customize your characters. That's right up my alley. I don't know, I think Phoenix Point might be a better game than XCOM 2. And I know that's going to upset a lot of people as well. But.
3: Yeah, i got to say, I actually kind of agree with you. If there's one thing that I would ding them on, it would be the strategy layer. And I think Phoenix Point does a way better job of that than XCOM 2 did. I feel like if you could somehow mash it together, like if you had the mechanics and the strategic layer of Phoenix Point with the free aiming mixed with the production values that Axis can bring, you'd just have a just absolute gangbusters title. Do you know what? I'm actually more
2: excited about Xenonauts 2. But what is it with these games developers putting out demos that are broken? Like I downloaded during the Steam Demo Festival. I played the, X, uh, the Xenonauts 2 demo and it was so bugged. I couldn't even I couldn't even get past the first few shots off. I couldn't even get a few shots off of the first alien that I encountered. Like it was just like, what are you doing, guys? Don't put demos out if they're broken. Like seriously, that is the stupidest thing you can do as a developer.
1: Rant over. <laughs> Anyways, does anybody have any other games that they wanted to add to our list here before we wrap things up?
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, we kind of skipped over it, but uh, Falling Enchantress, it did kind of. Well, it wasn't a sequel. Source of Kings isn't really a sequel. It's kind of based in the same world, and but it's a different take on, I guess, uh, Falling Enchantress. Tant- so I, I would like to see a proper sequel to it.
2: I was about to say, Drexy as my pick. I, wa- I was going to say I'd like to see a sequel to Sorcerer King Rivals because it sounds like there might be something happening with regards to fantasy 4x games from Stardock at some point in the in the distant future. Um, just from hints that Brad Wardell's been dropping on Steam. So, but I- I'd like to see a Sorcerer King Rivals uh, remake because, or you know, or a sequel because that's a really good game. It's a really interesting concept. You know, this asymmetric war against a, an overwhelmingly powerful character that you just can't take on at the start and you know had loads of cool story elements built in i just thought that was a great game and yeah why not why not d- develop that idea arkin showed us that you can do asymmetric warfare in a really really interesting way and in fact it turns out that that's one of the best ways to get a decent ai out of a game so i mean you know sorcerer king rivals or a new sorcerer king game could really go to town on that so that was going to be my pick so it's funny funny that you picked uh, fallen enchantress because that was yeah i was i wanted to say sorcerer king <laughs>
1: I, I would agree with both. I mean, clearly, I want another Fallen Enchantress, but I I really want to see Derek Paxson get a chance to make a Fall from Heaven game that maybe takes a lot of the gameplay elements of Fallen Enchantress, Legendary Heroes, but you know meshes them with some of the things that were going on with his mod with Fall from Heaven and stuff, and some of the really cool factions he'd created in that game. So that that would be great. And then also, I, I'm with you. I think Sorcerer King had a really fine idea. In fact, the original Sorcerer King, because the rivals. I was kind of. By the time it came out, I was kind of over the the whole thing. But the original Sorcerer King, I had extremely high hopes for because, like you, I saw the value and the excitement that came from having an asymmetric AI that was that was playing by different rules, like completely different rules. And I think that that is a way to overcome uh, an AI issue, right? A game, I mean, like when when a bunch of different AI players are playing the same game it's easy to see that they either cheat or just aren't as good. But when they're playing by different rules or when they're overwhelmingly powerful, like AI War 2 or AI War and then, of course, Sorcerer King and Sorcerer King Rivals, it just makes for an interesting game, you know? And it's fun to... I think one of the funnest things I find about AI War is picking and choosing my targets, you know? And that was what you did with Sorcerer King as well. You would pick and choose your targets, pick and choose which battles you'd fight because you knew that eventually you'd incur the wrath of this thing that was just way too powerful for you. And eventually you'd become powerful enough to take it on. And that was one of my favorite. I mean, I, I really enjoyed Sorcerer King. The review I have for Sorcerer King from Explominate was extremely positive and, and surprisingly much more positive than, than the, the vast majority of people.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed Sorcerer King. I didn't actually really uh, get into Rivals. So in your opinion, out of the two, which is, which is the better game?
1: I would say Rivals is only because it takes everything that the first one had and adds some new characters, some new minor factions. You could play as you know, different sorcerer types or whatever they're called Avatars, the it's a better game because it had more of everything, like more content, but it didn't, you know, change the actual gameplay mechanics. So I think Rivals is a better game. I th- I think I tried playing it on a Twitch stream, you know, like a year or two ago and it handled decently, but the problem is it definitely feels old. The UI feels like it's you know a 10-year-old UI, and you know there's there's things that could have been improved and could have been done better. But I, I'm, I'm with you. I think both those games are great games that that would really benefit from a great sequel that took into account you know a better quality of life and damn a better user interface or both because user interface for Sorcerer King was awful. Anyway, Sean, you got one more, and then we'll wrap things up.
3: Yeah, well, there was one more that I had on there that was an RTS called Conquest Frontier Wars. And I think the community was talking a bit about it a while ago. Um, that came out, it was a Ubisoft title. I think it came out 2000, very early in the 2000s. And it was something that I felt was way ahead of its time because you weren't just on a single map. You had, I think it was sort of like Solaris, you know, all the different star systems and you can go, you had wormhole travel. You would go through wormholes to get to the different star systems and it had a really It had a pretty solid campaign and the wormhole mechanics were really cool and you had to like defend the wormholes with orbital, like you had orbital defense systems and then the factions were really well balanced out and they had all sorts of really cool individual abilities and looks and that kind of thing. And they also had a supply mechanic, an RTS, where if you were expanding your units out to go and attack someone, you had to bring ships with you to resupply, otherwise you'd run out of ammo and you'd end up getting killed. So it was something that felt at the time like it was way ahead of its time. And there was a second one that was in development. And I was talking to Todd over at Stutterfox because he's making Falling Frontier, which I think is probably, it seems to be inspired by it. And it's, it's looking like it's going to be really cool. But I was talking to him. There was a modder that got the second one working. And right at the start, there was a thing with these doomsday weapons. And like the fact that it worked at all was ridiculous. But there was something in development that got canned. And it's something that it would be really cool to see a sequel for if anyone ever did it yeah and i'll
1: mention just because you know we're gonna wrap things up here but i there was a game that i know that Nate, my old co-host was a big fan of as well is ascendancy and i know i don't think many of you guys or any of you guys have played it but ascendancy was a game that was probably a pioneer in asymmetric gameplay because each of its races had a special ability an active ability that you could use you know at any point you know it it had a cooldown it had all that stuff but It was really cool because it would, you know, sometimes dramatically change the course of events. And all of its races were completely alien. Not a single... There wasn't a human race in Ascendancy. It was all... All of them were alien as hell. And they were all weird as hell. And there was a sequel in production, in development. And this group called Logic Factory, who was making it, just sort of disappeared. And there was still, like, you know, some rumors of... Ascendancy 2 coming out and being developed, you know, and then, it, I, I'm, of course, at this point, it, there's there's probably no chance in hell. But, yeah, I wish Ascendancy 2 ever, I just wish it had happened, because I would like to have seen what they had done with it, because they were, they were doing some weird shit with 4X games, and I thought a lot of it worked, so it would have been cool to see.
0: I actually had a version on my iPad, but I don't know how close it was to the original, but I just couldn't work they came out. <laughs> There was no tutorial, no manual. I just couldn't work out how, how to play the game. So Yeah, if they do see a sequel, at least put a tutorial in there, please.
1: Yeah, well, so the, the, the one for the iPad, it didn't work well on, on the iPad. I had the same thing. And then somehow, I don't know why or how this happened, but it got taken down from the App Store and you couldn't buy it. And if you didn't already have it downloaded, it was gone. And even though you paid for it, so like I remember paying $10 or whatever for it, you know, if you didn't have it downloaded to your iPad, it was, I mean, you, there's no way for you to get it anymore. It, it didn't work well with the iPad. It was much better on the PC, but again, there were a lot of things that it was doing that was just just super unique. And I wish that Ascendancy 2 had had seen the light of day. Anyways, yeah, I mean, there's so many games out there that we could probably go through and be like, wow, I'd like to see a sequel to that. And there's a lot of games that probably deserve a sequel just as much as any of the games we've mentioned here today and again this is just more of a conversation starter we're excited to hear about the kind of games and the games that you guys want to see a sequel for that maybe we didn't mention there's some hidden gems out there that were one off hits and maybe the developer just didn't get the money it needed for a sequel or it just never turned back and came back around to making a sequel like alpha centauri but with that being said, I'd really like to hear what you guys think. You know, Leave us some comments. Come to our Discord. Come to our Steam group. And then, of course, we're going to start putting all of these podcasts on our YouTube channel. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, leave some comments in the comment section below and, and tell us what you think. Which games deserved a sequel that never got one? Sid Meier's Starship 2. Yeah, of course. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, of course. There's not a show without him saying something as dumb as that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, all right, well, Ben, Drexy, Sean, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, man. Thanks Cheers, for having bye. us. All right, say it individually real quick. Ben first. Or sorry, Ben, Drexy. <laughs> <laughs> ben
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought I already said okay. it. <laughs> See you later, guys. Take care.
0: See you later, guys. Bye. <laughs>
2: Have a good one, guys.
1: <laughs> and this was Ben Drexy Sean and Rob for Explominate. And until next time, keep exploring.